I noticed you didn't show up to the studio with a Coke slushie in your hand. Okay, well, don't get too, don't get, don't do uh, too much. See, m- you can't even find the words because you know you're wrong. I'm not you wrong. You can't expect me to get you a Coke Icy every day. I give you my love every day. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yellen Mars. Hello, everyone, all of our dumb bitches. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, should we say hi and welcome? Welcome to Obsessed with Disappeared. If you feel like seeing a little bit more of Joey and I in person, and I promise you this is going to be an epic live show. We're going to be in New York August 29th. We're going to be in Boston September 7th. We're going to be in Orlando September 11th, and we're going to be in Dallas September 15th. If you're in any of those places and you want to get tickets, please go to our website, Disappeared Pod, click on the CS Live link, and come and see us. I will tell you, by the time you hear this, I'll tell you that New York and Dallas VIP is sold out, and we only have about 50 or less tickets in every city. And are we talking about what we're doing yet? Well, well yeah, tell them. Okay, so we are covering one of OWD's most famous episodes, the Royal Scoops Daniel you all, episode. I forgot how good this episode was. It is full of ridiculous talking heads, bowls of oatmeal, and a big old red-faced puffy white man who went missing on purpose. What more do you need? We have so <laughs> many jokes in store for you. Honestly, the show is going to be about four hours at this point. Oh, my God. And also, when I joined the podcast, I went back and listened to almost all the episodes. This was the one that I didn't listen to, so I have purposely not listened to it now, and I'm giving it my fresh eyes, fresh ears, and I'm going to give you my old Swamp Talk version of what I think of old Royal Scoops Diane. Well, we can't wait to see you. (laughs) Only a handful of tickets left, and tickets for Obsessed Fest are also going fast. And don't forget, if you want more of me and Joey in your ears, please join us on the Patreon. It is what we call the Drama Club. That is where we do all of our bonus episodes and our ad-free episodes, and you get all the special attention from us. So join us, head over to our website and click the Patreon link and see what else we have in store for you. Should we get to the episode? Let's get to the episode. Disappeared Season 8, Episode 11, A Bridge Too Far, tells the story of the disappearance of Daniel Imbo and Richard Patron. A night out on the town in Philadelphia is filled with promise for a young couple. He had his arm around her. They seemed happy. But fear sets in when neither returns from their date. My God, I said something terrible happened to them. The couple's loved ones unite to find them. I need my daughter to come home. Marge needs her son to come home. But as desperation grows, the families find themselves at odds with one another. Emotions were high. A lot of speculation came in, a lot of finger pointing. Police must follow a trail of baffling clues. It's mostly like a a train graveyard. They were going to pull a truck out of the river. And broken hearts. If anyone has any information about my dad, please. I just need him back. So here we are in downtown Philly. Motown Philly back Back again. again. Well, I guess I could have gone with the other one in West 
Philadelphia. Born and raised on the playground. We'll do this all day. We could do the whole thing. So we're on South Street, which is downtown Philadelphia, on the evening of February 19th, 2005. And it's an icy 29 uh, degrees out, to which I say, no. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. I'm too cold. I'm very tiny. Oh, I no. I have very tiny wrists. No, that flew with I that other to, woman that ha- used to go I here. Have, I'm very cold. <laughs> I, do not, I do not like the cold. But let me tell you, honey, the cheesesteaks are on the grill. The music is playing, and the people are bustling on this South Street. They're getting their, uh, I can't really do a Philly. Can Neither can I. No, it's very hard. I know it. I recognize it. They go downtown over there. Over there. Is that good? Is that bad? I'm sure Honestly, that's bad. I have no idea. I know the Philly accent. It is so specific. I just don't do it very well. Richard Patrone and his date, Danielle Imbo, are among the crowd. They've just arrived at Abilene, a South Street staple where local rock bands play. When Richard and Danielle came into the bar, he had his arm around her. They seemed happy. Richard is 35 years old. Danielle is 34 both young enough to be thrilled about new love, but experienced enough to be cautious. And for now, they're taking things slowly. There's lots of bars downtown, music venues, restaurants. It's the Bourbon Street of Philadelphia, minus the boobs and the beads. Yeah! And we meet Mama Marge, a beautiful blonde who's aging backwards with a perfect Philly accent. (laughs) She says they were on South Street. Can we play that? She's got a better (laughs) accent than me. It was President's Weekend, and a lot of people were out and about and walking on South Street. On South Street. Or own, own. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) Anyway, so we hear about Richard Patron and his date that evening, Danielle Imbo. And they're hanging out at a place called Abilene, which really threw me off because that's what I used to clean the makeup off my face with. Yes, Abilene we did. in Kinky Boots. And they're at a venue where you go hear rock music. Sounds like something I would enjoy. Yeah. And Christopher says, you know, they're in their mid-30s. Uh, so they're young enough to be thrilled by love, but they're still cautious. Yeah. I was like, they're taking it slow. Good for you. Good for you. You got to learn people's quirks. Absolutely. Are they mouth breathers? Are you they- got to find out. Are they open mouth eaters? Got to find out. Do they clip their toenails in public? You got to find out. Yeah, it's true. Do they leave their wet towels on the floor? Do they hang it up? I got to know. <laughs> so now Richard and Danielle are meeting a couple of Richard's friends out, Anthony and his wife, Michelle. And we meet friend Anthony who says they seem very happy. Yeah. You know, they were taking things slow, but excited to see where things went. Totally. So Christopher tells us that Richard's like a Philly boy. Like he yeah. is a Philly boy. He has a family-owned bakery called Viking Pastry, Viking. whatever it is. I love it. Yeah, I do too. I want it. Give me a pastry. Give me a chocolate-covered croissant. Oh, hi. I mean, give me a... Oh, uh, You know what? Give me a chocolate-covered cannoli. Oh. <gasps> a good cannoli. Cream puff or an eclair. Oh, an eclair. Yeah. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Viking Bakery. (laughs) Now, he loved his life in Philly so much so he lived above the bakery. I thought that was so cute. Yeah, I thought it was very cute. And you know what his specialty was at the bakery? Wedding cakes. Mm -hmm. You give me an almond-flavored wedding cake, you won't hear from me for three days. Three days. I will sit in my house and eat that almond-flavored wedding cake. You drizzle it with buttercream waterfall flowers? Waterfall? It's done. Waterfall flowers. Down the side. What am I going to do? Bring up the white stretch limo. We've taken out the wedding cake with the waterfall flowers. Put on the waterfall flowers, huh? 
<laughs> and uh, Richard lives in his apartment above the bakery with his daughter, Angela. So cute. All these so baby pictures they show. And Angela's here. She's beautiful. She tells us about her dad. You know, they had a lot of fun. Yeah. He would take her and play in the bakery. They were very close. He supported his sports. And he was there. He was present. He was a dad who loved being a dad. It was very, very sweet. And, and, and he loved Bruce Springsteen. I was going to say, I mean, how who doesn't love Bruce Springsteen? What's your favorite Bruce Springsteen song? Born in the USA. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, it's just that, I don't know, you know, not the sentiment, really. Just that, like, drum beat. I don't know. <laughs> oh. Makes, makes me want a fried Oreo and wrestle a pig. You know, once at the fair... <laughs> Go and fuck yourself, all right? I ain't falling for that shit again. Uh, What's your favorite Bruce Springsteen song? Oh, everybody's got a hungry heart. Everybody's got a hungry heart. I think you're in the wrong key. Um, <laughs> we talked every day, two, three times a day. I am your typical Italian mother that was in his business. <laughs> Richard's sweetheart, Danielle, also comes from a close-knit Italian family. Danielle and I were very tight, and we always got along, and we always did things together. My mother was well, and we'd go out Saturday nights, Sundays, they would come over for dinner, we'd watch football. It was a tradition, Sunday dinner. Same tradition we carried on when my father was alive. Richard's, uh, let's call him Richie right now. Richie, yeah, little Richie. Richie. He's a uh, very Italian, uh, so is his family, and like any good Italian son, he's very devoted to his Italian mother. Yeah, Mama Marge is like, you know, I know this woman. You walk in her house, she asks if you're hungry. You eat today? Yeah, you eat today. What'd you eat? Tell me what'd what you eat. I'm going to make you, let me make you a plate. Yeah. Let me make you a plate. You want some shells? I got shells. I'll unfreeze the lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my family is Bronx Italian, and, you know, she's Philly Italian, but I feel like we could be related. Absolutely. Can someone get me a 23 and me? <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> You and I are typical Italian mothers because you and I talk to each other three to four times a day. And if you don't answer, we're like, where you at? Where what you happened at? to you? What are you doing? What's going on? Everything all right? I'm taking a poop. Um, I've learned just to answer when you're pooping. Good. Because it just saves the follow-up text messages. <laughs> but Danielle is also from an Italian tight-knit family. Now, I always feel very comfortable talking about this stereotype. You know, my mom was born into a very, very classic Italian family. And a lot of Italians and a lot of Mediterranean families remain close through generations. Yeah. Everyone stays at home, stays within a couple blocks of each other. But let me tell you what I do love about being an Italian. Tell me. Italians know how to throw a party. Yeah, they do. You got a holiday? Yep. Any holiday, we're throwing a party. You got a birthday? You got a baptism? You got a confirmation? You got a wedding? What? Did you pass your, your learner's permit test? We're going to throw yep. you a party. Someone break out the Anazette. <laughs> We're throwing a It's chaos. You engage? You thinking about getting engaged? We're throwing a party. We're throwing a party. It is all centered. It's chaos. But yeah. I just want to say I see and I get this family. And we'll talk more about that later. But I see you Italian families. Exactly. And we meet Danielle's brother, John. And he's saying, look, Sunday dinner. Sunday dinners. It was a tradition. What time does Sunday dinner start? Three o'clock. One o'clock. One right. o'clock. Yeah. Okay. And then you just eat. All, <laughs> you eat in increments. <laughs> and there's always Scrabble. Anyway. It's true. And so John tells us also that Danielle was a singer. Yeah. Brother John says she sounded like Janis Joplin and she sang with a cover band. Absolutely loved it. I love that for her. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, Janis Joplin. I mean, come on. One of my favorite quotes in the world is from Janis Joplin. Which is what? You can destroy you're now by worrying about tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Google Janis Joplin quotes. You'll be shocked. Okay. Uh, but we see pictures of Danielle singing and wailing. She looks so happy. I would have loved to have seen her perform. She got married in 2001 to a man by the name of Joe Imbo. Yeah. Guess what Joe did? Well, 
I, I was gonna I was gonna put it to you because I was I didn't want to hop on the rage train so early. Music was in Danielle's blood, but she gave it up shortly after she married Joe Imbo in 2001. He had asked her to stop. He said, at this point, we're married now. You need to quit the band. That was her family. That came first, and she stepped away. Well, Joe was like, we're married now. I need you to give up singing. Yeah. Why? Give me one good reason why. If you you love someone and you see that there's a thing in their life, they have been blessed with a gift that brings them such joy and happiness and in turn brings joy and happiness to others. Yeah. Why would you want to quell that? Yeah. I don't understand. Love is not changing people. Love is not controlling them and what they, that's not love. Anything that starts with, if you loved me, you would, dot, dot, dot. That's yeah. a hard pass for me. Anyway, I, I'm sorry that happened to you, Danielle. I Because am too. I, I, you know, who knows what she could have done. Absolutely. And a couple years later, she gives birth to Joe Jr. Oh, just baby. Those cheekies. Oh my God, those I eyes. I want those cheekies. He was uh, precious. Absolutely precious. And then shortly after she has the baby, Things are not going well in their marriage, and they get separated. And that separation leads to a divorce. Yeah, when Joe Jr. was really young. She was hurting, been there, girl. But she worked for a mortgage company that allowed her to work from home. And so, you know, she— They also made her a home office. Yeah, yeah. Like, work. I thought that was really great. To which I say— Yeah. Give that to them. Give that to them! So one of her best friends since she was a teenager was a girl by the name of Christine Patrone. And it just so happened that she was going through a divorce at the same time. And, you know, their families were friends. And one night they were having the little girls night out. So Christine's older brother joins them. And Danielle and Richard, Christine's older brother, they've known each other for years. Yeah, they've known each other for 20 years. But on this day, it was a little like, uh, oh, hello. Something like, oh, have you been here the whole time? How I didn't are see you? you? Yeah, very nice. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah, I like your shirt. Yeah, so you get that from Dillard's? Yeah. <laughs> I love that you went with that. In my mind, I was gonna go with Hall and Oates. What I want, you got. <laughs> so they started seeing each other. They started dating, and things were going well. Now I gotta tell you, they both had kids. Yeah. And dating when you have a kid is a totally different ball game. So they didn't really say this, but I feel they probably like a mutual respect there a mutual understanding yeah that like when you're in a relationship there is there's other people in that relationship so they were kind of like you know up and down she was still actually going through her divorce but it seemed like everything they were a happy couple figuring it out things seemed to be going well for the couple but just after the new year about six months into their romance danielle asked richard for some space and he gave it When it came closer to her divorce, she wanted to kind of back away from it a little bit, and Richard understood that. She said, I just want to be by myself and concentrate on being a good mother to Joe. That bone-chilling night in February is the first time the two have seen each other since their five-week break. On this particular night was the first night they had sort of gotten back together. They had their space, they had their time, and they're like, let's go out and have some fun on uh, South Street over there. Down there. Down no, there on South don't, Street. I'm don't, horrible. I, I, I thought up. it was good. And Danielle, listen, Danielle was free 
that night. You know, Joe, her ex-husband had the baby. So, you know, the plan was to just hang out and have a good time and see where things went. And they were having a blast. And then they call it an early night because they have to wake up with their kids. So the rest of the group went out and Danielle and Richard said their goodbyes, which in Italian goodbye takes 27 minutes yeah, because absolutely. you got to stop and say goodbye and chit chat and then promise you'll call and blah, blah. So <laughs> 1145, the couple leaves and they were not parked far at all. And they head out and that was that. So the next morning around 9 a.m., Danielle's brother John heads to her condo to do some housework for her. He was going to fix some curtains. Knocks on the door. No answer. He calls her cell. Straight to voicemail. So John calls their mom and she's like, yeah, big Baja Galoop. She probably slept at Rich's last yeah. night. I Sorry, I just wanted to say Baja Galoop. No, I love it. And so he uses his spare key to let himself in. Yep, and everything was fine. Everything was clean, orderly. Now 11 o'clock rolls around, and Danielle had a hair appointment at Christine's salon, Richard's sister, and she doesn't show. But Christine thinks the same thing. She was like, you know what? They were out on South Street. They probably had too much to drink. She probably slept in. She calls both of their phones, no answer, and she's like, eh, all right. She missed her appointment. Now, Richard's mom, Mama Marge, is also trying to get a hold of Richard. And Richard was supposed to have friends over that day for a NASCAR race party. What's that? NASCAR. Wait, why? <laughs> cars. Why, why are we just watching cars wa- drive around in a circle? Cars racing. I want to race the cars. <laughs> so he's not answering. It's all very unusual. So Mama's Marge is like, I ain't fucking around. She sends Richard's sister over to his apartment to check things out. Yeah, and the sister was like, I mean, I don't think he's there. The dog was barking at the door. So then Mama Marge is like, all right, I'm going to call Anthony. Anthony was out with them, and Anthony was like, uh, you know what? Actually, I mean, we parted ways, but I could have sworn they said they were going to Danielle's. So then Mama Marge calls Danielle's mother, Mama Felice. Now, everyone's a little worried now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And soon, worry turns to fear. When it becomes clear that Danielle is a no-show for her most important obligation. So not like them to not check in, either one of them. With no word from Danielle, her mother Felice is hysterical. I went to my sister's house and when I got there, it's my mother. She's in a full-blown panic. At this point, Danielle hadn't been home and Joe was scheduled to drop my nephew off around 5 o'clock. So the most concerning thing was Joe, Danielle's ex-husband, was going to drop off the baby. The baby is 18 months, and the reenactment baby was like six months. And ID, I feel like they're like, we're on season eight. We're exhausted. It's a baby. Yeah. All right? It's, it's a, baby. a baby. Don't ask Somebody questions. Grab some blankets. Boom. It's a baby. But, the, <laughs> but Joe was going to drop him off at five. And Danielle still wasn't home. That was the biggest of all the flags that happened to be red, was that one. So now when Joe comes by to drop off the baby, they don't tell him what's happening. I kind of see that. Because it's like, let's not have this conversation if it's nothing. Or if she stayed out late, God forbid she stayed out late and she's drunk, she's hungover. I don't want him holding anything over. I would have omitted that as well. Sure, but I think that there's more that they don't tell us about that relationship with him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, concessions are made with someone who has a bad temper. And it's like, you know, I I imagine Mama Mar being like, please, for God's sakes, John, don't tell Joe about the baby, all right? Please, I, for, for love of money, I don't want to yeah. get into a conversation yeah. with him now. Yeah. I know they're from Philly, sorry. <laughs> so once the ex-husband leaves, Danielle's brother John is like, enough, I'm calling the cops. Yeah. And he reports Danielle missing. And the family does all the right things. They call the hospitals. Now, this is when I know I'm really a member of this family. This is where I actually really do want a 23 in me. Uh-huh. Because brother John and Papa Patron, 
alone, do what any hot-blooded, overprotective Italian would want to do. They were like, fuck this. We're getting in the car. We're driving to Philly. And that's what they do. They drive all around South Street or the surrounding areas. They're trying to figure out what route that they could have taken from Danielle's home to South Street, but there's so many possible routes. The Delaware River is huge. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. Man, as if I couldn't love this family enough, there are four police precincts in Philly. They went to all four with them. All four. They went to all four of them. Yeah. I could spend Christmas with this family. <laughs> like, I mean, they went to the cops, yeah. which, hello, are we related? And they were like, my sister and her boyfriend didn't come home. Can you help us? And with each passing hour, each passing precinct, they're getting more scared. They're getting more sad. And they're looking for Richard's black truck. Yeah. You know, they're like, if we don't see him, maybe they left the truck somewhere. He's got this massive black truck. And, you know, parts of New Jersey and Philly are very close. But they have four bridges connecting New Jersey and Philly. And they drive over all of them. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's a 25-mile ride. Yeah. From Danielle's home to South Street. It's a lot of miles. It's a lot of miles. They're pretty sure they would have taken the Ben Franklin or the Walt Whitman, also naming a bridge after a poet. Okay, Jersey. I know. We're cultured. Yeah. After 13 hours, the men call it a night. There was nothing. Yeah, there's nothing at all. It's 7 a.m. Monday morning by the time they return to the Patron's house. It's packed with Richard's friends and family. They just wanted to do something. They wanted to help. From that point on, we just started coordinating searches. Brother John and Papa Patron walk in the door 7 a.m. Monday morning because they've been looking through the night. Let me tell you what Italians are good at. Italians are good at rallying in an emergency. Oh, absolutely. We don't know what we're doing, but we're bringing a hot plate. Absolutely. Like, we're making sure everyone is eaten. It's a sense of community. It's that feeling of wanting to do something, but you don't know what you have to do. So you, you just feed people and stand there and worry together, you know? Well, because if you feed people, you can maybe take your mind off of it for a minute. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to make a sweeping generalization, but a lot of Italians are just down bitches. Absolutely. You know? And the family continues with that. So now law enforcement in both Philly and New Jersey are working on this case. There's an APB out on Richard's truck, and the Philly police go to the FBI to get, you know, phone records and financial records to try to retrace their footsteps throughout the night. But the family's not sitting back and letting the police take action. No. They are on the front of this. They have searches. They are flyering. They're flyering all down South Street. Anything that is pinned down, they're putting a flyer up Oh, on honey, it. they were not messing around. They were going to get shit done. And then we meet the lead investigator for the FBI, Special Agent Vito Rosselli. Clearly an Irish name. I mean, listen, <laughs> this guy's got to be my second cousin. I'm just like someone... What? This guy is my second cousin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where did you guys go vacation last year? Oh, we went to... Um, You're y- not good at this game. We it should have to- been right there. It should have been right there. We went to Ding Dong, Utah. Yeah, no. It should have <laughs> been Florida. First thing out of your mouth is Florida. So the first thing he tells us is they're going to look into their financial <laughs> records and their phone records. And the first thing he says is, Richard was a cash guy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. No, I, all Italian men are cash guys. My grandfather 
father was palming cash into people's oh, hands my entire life. Absolutely. I, to this day, I don't know where my grandfather had so many 20s. May he rest. <laughs> you know you know that son of a bitch died on my birthday? What? Yeah. My grandfather died on my birthday. I was like, couldn't wait a day? Huh? Vito? Really? Yeah. yeah you, know died who died on my on, you know who died on my birthday? <laughs> Whitney Houston. <gasps> oh, my gosh. R.I.P. I was like, I love you, Whitney, but did you have to do this on my birthday? Really? On my birthday. Among the different agencies, more than 10 officers are on the case, all pounding the pavement for leads. They never drummed up any witnesses outside of Abilene's that night that remembered seeing the couple. There are also few security cameras in the popular tourist area, and the footage that does exist doesn't show the couple. Investigators also check bridges and tolls between Philadelphia and New Jersey, but there are no cameras in the direction the couple would have headed. Yeah, and they went down to South Street and they really couldn't find any witnesses. I mean, they were just like an average couple out. So just so you guys know, Philly is just a bunch of me's running around. <laughs> no ranch, honey! I uh, know, for real. And also, the few surveillance cameras that they did have, yeah. they didn't show up on yeah, any of the footage. Just... So there's no help. It's literally like they vanished. Yeah. So we know Anthony Valentino was the last person to see them. They bring him in. Now, they interrogate the bejesus out of Anthony. Anthony. Oh, honey, like, what did you see? Yeah. What did you see? Anything suspicious? What were the problems? What was this? What, what was the state of mind? Was there any beef? Any, any drugs? What'd you talk about? Any gambling? <laughs> like, the, uh, Anthony's like. You have a shopping uh, problem? Yeah. I mean, they were just. They questioned him a bunch of times. Anthony's like, I mean, I want to help, but what are you guys doing here? They give him a lie detector test. And then my cousin Vito was like, yeah, nothing unusual with Anthony. <laughs> Okay. I mean, listen, they had to exhaust no, it all. But Anthony was like, I told you everything. That's it. Bada bing, bada boom. Get out of here. So two weeks <laughs> pass and Brother John wants to get a helicopter. He wants to look over everything. They're really looking for the truck. Now, again, I know we're talking a lot about Italian culture right now, but let me tell you, in Italian culture, every guy knows a guy. Hey, they know a yeah, guy. You need a guy? I, I got a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy. Because Brother John wanted a helicopter, and he knew a guy with a helicopter. You know that guy? Yeah, I know that I, guy. I know that guy. You yeah. need a guy? Because I got a guy. Yeah. I went, oh, I him? My first communion was with that guy. I could get you a helicopter. I know a guy. Well, <laughs> let me make a call. I know a guy. Listen, I got a guy is being offered in the fall at DBU, but <laughs> advanced I got a guy can only be attended once I got a guy. 101 has been completed, so please do not try and skip ahead <laughs> because the administrator will absolutely not allow it. But if you are from Italian descent, you do get 50% off of the class. I got a guy. Yeah. I, I don't make the rules. And that's I don't our make show. Th- Thank you that. so much. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I don't make the rules. I don't know. I, this is how it goes. But they get a helicopter. Yeah. Brother John gets a fucking helicopter. Go off, Brother yeah. John. And they do a thorough search. They're looking up and down the Delaware River. I mean, they are on it. But sadly, it doesn't produce anything. Also, it's hard it to is find hard. a black truck. Yeah. You know? So now Richard and Danielle's disappearance is starting to make the local news. Honest people do not just vanish off the face of this earth, nor do very large black Dodge pickup trucks. I need my daughter to come home. Marge needs her son to come home. And we're just begging for anyone, for any information, please. The families are united in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We're in contact with the patrons. Every day we speak, every day, for support for each other. The two 
families were very united. Yes. They were one family. They were crying. These are our kids. You know, they were, it was both of them together in a, on a very united front. And you should know that these families were close for many years. Yeah. Because when Danielle and Christine met at 15 and became best friends, well, their mothers eventually became best friends. Yeah. So they were very familial. Well, now my cousin Vito tells us that uh, Philly has a big stolen car ring. And there's about 13,000 cars were stolen that year, and they got a lot of chop shops. A lot of chop shops. The main thing he wants us to know is what a huge business it is, and a stolen car ring is not a one-person operation. Oh, absolutely not. You need a guy to hold up the people in the car. You need a guy to drive the car. Yeah. You need someone to chop, chop up the, the car. car. Yeah. And then you need somebody who's doing distribution. It's a lot. It's a big thing. So then they start exploring the idea. Maybe they got into an accident or drove into a lake. Now, listen, the Delaware River. River is fast. Yeah. It's a vast river. It separates Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and it's like 14,000 square miles. It's a lot of square miles. It's a lot of square miles. It's a lot of square miles. And that water is murky and dark, and I wouldn't want to get in it for two seconds. That's the way I would describe your personality sometimes. Did that feel good for you? <laughs> is better help helping you? <laughs> Are you mad at me? <laughs> So there's this one gate that they find on the Philadelphia waterfront, and it kind of looks like maybe a car drove through it. So they get divers to search the water. The Patron family gets a tip about an area on the Philadelphia waterfront where the gate is broken. It appears to have been run over by a vehicle. We thought that maybe they took a wrong turn, the car went off in the water. Marine divers are deployed to search the area. The divers were in cold waters for hours looking. Surprisingly, there were cars down there, but none of them were Richards. Cars? Cars. With an S? Yeah. What the fuck is happening in Philly? Cars? I mean, if they're, if people are stealing cars and chopping them up and then you're just throwing the bones in the river. Someone go drain that river. Find all those cars with an S. Good luck. Oh my gosh. But sadly, none of those cars were Richard's. So now we get to the part of the investigation. We're three weeks into the disappearance, right? There's no new clues. There's no leads whatsoever. And so there's a lot of speculation, some accusations. Emotions are running high. People are scared. Well, Brother John starts asking questions about Richard. He's like, I mean, I'm this guy. But do I know this guy? You know, who is he? Does he owe money to someone? Who does he run with? Does he gamble? Now, I recognize that this doesn't really help the situation, but I kind of understand where his mind goes. Sure. You know, you know, of course they want to find both of them, but his loyalty is ultimately with his sister. And, you know, our brains are designed to expect the worst. Listen, you never know what people are doing behind closed doors. Yeah. One minute you think that this person is your loving husband, the next minute you find out he's replacing people's legs with PVC pipes. You, you know, okay? it's everything. It's like a kinder egg. Everything is a shock, a shock <laughs> and a surprise. Who's, who's to know? No, but we go to, I didn't unplug my coffee pot to my house is on fire. Absolutely. And then we're conditioned to rationalize when we're, you know, confronted with something difficult. So my sister is missing. I know she doesn't have any shady dealings. She was with this person. So, hey, what's that guy into? Absolutely. You know, it seems callous, but I, I do get it. Now then Mama Marge gets very defensive. I know my son's past. Nobody was looking for Richard. He didn't do drugs. He didn't have gambling debts. So there was 
nothing like that in his past. After interviewing numerous family and friends and conducting extensive background checks, including phone and financial records on the couple and those closest to them, investigators confirm there was nothing suspicious in Richard or Danielle's conduct that would make either a target. And the truth is that the FBI was able to confirm through very detailed background checks that both Richard and Danielle were living pretty squeaky clean lives. Yeah. Everything they looked into their phone, their bank records, nothing supported any of those accusations. But I got to say, I understand John asking, you know? Yeah, totally. They were single parents. They were hardworking middle class people. And unfortunately... This caused a huge riff in the family, and they stopped speaking. Now, yeah. I get that. The way I can detach myself from people is by far the scariest part about me. Same. I mean, I can love you to death one minute, and then I would do everything for you, and then I could not speak to you ever again. Well, in in our defense, you have to really do something yes. fucked up in order yeah. for that to happen, but trust me, if you cross that line, yeah. and it's hard to do it, yeah. but if you cross that line, I am yeah. done with you. Listen, and I, listen, I always say I don't hold grudges. I just remember facts for when we meet again. Yeah. Until then, you're instantly irrelevant. <laughs> but I do see both sides because it's like, come on. I well, know everybody's hurt. And, sure. Uh, you know, emotions are high, but we all have the same goal here. Yeah, you know? of course. Well, and then Richard's family is like, okay, you want to talk about our yeah. kid? They're like, what about her estranged ex-husband, Joe? How do we know he's not involved? How do we know he didn't do something to bring harm to both of them? And so, honestly, like, the rift gets so deep that they don't come back from it. It's like irrevocable damage. Nothing ever gets fixed. Yeah, so we learned that Joe Imbo, Daniel's ex-husband, was in contact with Richard while they were dating. Now, that's all they say on the episode. That is all they say. But I found out what he did. How did you find out? I found an interview with Joe Imbo. He he called Richard at his bakery and said, stay away from my wife. And he's like, babe, she's not your wife. You're divorced. But like they weren't actually legally divorced. Yeah, there were words. There were words. And Joe Imbo, actually, I read a very, very good article. If you all care to read, it was in a Philadelphia. I think it was called the Philadelphia Magazine. All about, you know, Joe telling his side of the story. But we found out that Joe was at a family function about 50 miles away. That is corroborated, and he is not named a suspect. Ooh, yeah. He, usually the husband. I know. He was not declared a person of interest. However, I've declared him an asshole. Yeah, and the families are still at odds. We got the Montague's and Capulets situation <laughs> on our hands. It doesn't help anything, but, like, they're digging their heels in. Oh, they're, they're not playing around. not speaking. Yeah. And so then we hit March of 2005. The case is not really, it's kind of lost momentum. It's not really going anywhere. The cops don't have any leads. And then a phone call comes in. John Otobre has just received a tip about his missing sister, Danielle Imbo. No one has seen her or her date, Richard Patron, since they left a bar in South Philly four weeks earlier. Someone had called my mother-in-law, told her that Danielle was in a boxcar under the Walt Whitman Bridge and she was dying, and we needed to get there, or we'd never see her again. And John does what I would do. 
bolts out the door. Absolutely. Throws all rationale, all cognitive thinking out the door. Did you say my sister was there? I'm going to find her. He calls the police on the way, and the police are like, don't do that. Are you out of your mind? No, 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 no. It's midnight. He's like, too late. I'm over this fence. Yeah. (gasps) I mean, I can't even imagine. No, of course not. He's not even in his right mind. Of course not. You're you're grief-stricken, and you're picturing your sister suffering. So it's like, I'm out. They were like, don't go, please. Also, if this actually happens, you can tamper with, you know, evidence or whatever. Right. He's like, uh, too, too, sorry, too late. I got a flashlight in my hand. Yeah. So he hops a fence. He gets in there. It's basically like a train junkyard. Yeah. And he's searching. He comes up upon a, a box car that's closed. And he's thinking, my God, is my sister in here? And he builds up the courage. He opens it. Nothing is there. And the cops show up. And it like was you're a, under arrest for trespassing. I mean, no. literally, right. But it was a prank call. Yeah. And it's really fucked up. I just want to say to whoever does stuff like that yeah. or sends fake ransom notes to people or tries to elicit money out of grieving families, I hope you burn in hell. Yeah, eat a rock. Like it's Eat just, a razor. Yeah, it's disgusting. And, you know, the cops were like, John, John, you could have been killed. And John was like, I know. It doesn't make sense. I know. And now Richard's family is suffering the same way that Danielle's are. Remember, Richard had a daughter at the time who was only 14. It's especially rough on Richard's daughter, Angela. If anyone has any information about my dad, please. I just need him back. Please. Please. Her father's absence turns her life upside down. My life changed a lot. My dad was a big part of my life. He was one person that I always knew. I could call him for anything, talk to him about anything, and he would always be there. We see her begging for her dad to come home and the news footage. It broke my heart. Yeah. It's awful. I don't wish that for any child. So after the winter, you know, the snow clears a little bit, they do a separate search around Danielle's apartment, which is like a wooded area. And they have volunteers, of course. They're looking for anything. They're looking for any trace, the car, their clothes, any remains, anything. And they find nothing. Six months pass and they still find nothing. And we go three years and these families are not giving up. And they get a tiny, tiny little lead. So it turns out that the Marine Department of the Philadelphia PA, they were conducting an unrelated search and they found a vehicle. That vehicle matched the description of Richard's trucks. And I got chills all over my body when I saw that. They were like, we're going to pull the truck out of the river. I was like, can we pull all the cars out of the river? Truly. My God. Why did we do that three years ago when we heard the word cars? Can we pull all the cars out of the river? Why are cars in rivers? Why are they? Let's just make that a project. Let's put that on our to-do list. Let's have, like, take down the patriarchy, basic human rights for all, and and get all the cars out of the river. Oh, they, they do put old train cars, like, you know, subway train cars in the in the river, and it creates, like, a whole... Ecosystem? Uh-huh. Okay, can, we, can I get the... Can we do that, but still get the cars out of the river? <laughs> do we need to have a meeting about that? Should we call our congressman? Can we, Steve? Can <laughs> Steve you can do it. Steve! Can you, do you know a guy who knows a guy? <laughs> um, He's not Italian. <laughs> I know what... My, my uncle texts me. He's like, I know a guy. <laughs> like, uncle, are you here? He's like, I've been listening to you. I've been listening to your podcast. Actually, my uncle says he watches my podcast. Oh, nice. I was like, well, either you're a liar or you're dumb because you can't watch my podcast. <laughs> he could be both. Um... <laughs> so the media gets a hold of this news, right? And, and Special Agent Vito's trying to get ahead of it. So he calls the families to give them a heads up. 
It takes nearly four hours for the truck to reach the surface. He called me immediately. He said it looks like his truck, but it's not his license plate. But they're going to match the VIN numbers because they could change license plates. It was not his truck. They matched VIN numbers, and it wasn't Richard's truck. I guess I was relieved in a way, you know. But of course, you know, I just wanted it to be over in another way. We always hear this conflict, you know. I I don't want it to be him because I want to hold on to the hope that he's out there somewhere living his life. But also I do want it to be him maybe because I want some closure. Like we hear that all the time. That emotional ping pong match must be so hard. Like, I want an end to this, but also what if he's still alive? Yeah. I don't, you know. And she's just bawling her eyes out. So I bawled my eyes out and then I had some hummus and crackers and everything was better. <laughs> So they find the VIN numbers, and sadly, it is not Richard's car. So we're 10 years later in 2015. They've had over 300 leads in this case, and it is still unresolved. And they decide to put new eyes on it, new energy on it. I always think that's a great idea. Just like new people, you know, when you're looking at the same thing. So they make a cold case task force. Now, this is really weird. They don't say why. But they believe that this was a murder for hire executed by professionals. And the family was like, murder for what? Why can't you elaborate? I would like you to elaborate. You can't say something like that to us and then be like, but we can't tell you why we think that. Let me tell you something, Vito. Yeah. I know what city you in. I will find you and I'll have a very strong conversation with you about not giving us all the details on something that we should have details on, Vito. Come on. Joey has a lot of unearned confidence. It's very cute. (laughs) Vito will slice you in half and make it look like an accident. I'll tell you that right now. Are you kidding me? I'm from the swamp and I'm Italian. Don't underestimate me and you know better. See, now you're trying to show off in front of our listeners. You know better than this. Do we need to have a talk? Pop, pop. <laughs> he just smacked his microphone. <laughs> no, but, ah, oh, I got the best news. Can't tell you. Anyway. Uh, the worst. I got to tell you something, but I got to tell you later. You ain't no. telling me now. <laughs> I will make your life a living hell. I will blow up your phone every minute on the minute until you tell me what you have to I tell me. I will order a wedding cake and never pick it up. <laughs> Literally, they're just like, I just got a new computer. Yeah. <laughs> So the family is no closer to answers. And we learned that Joe Jr. is a teenager living in North Carolina. We send you so much love, Joe Jr. Yeah. Angela is married and has a son. And she's keeping the legacy going. Yeah, she's running the family bakery. I think that's very sweet. We love that. But, y'all, this case is still open. Still they... open, unsolved. What do you know? Well, let me tell you, if anybody does have any information leading to anything that happened that night in 2005 regarding Daniel Imbo or Richard Patron, they are urged to call the Philadelphia police at 215-546-TIPS. Now, I have a couple little things I want to throw I'm out. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay? Give it to me. All right. So we learned that. Now, listen, this article that I read about Joe, the ex-husband, is very, very telling, and it is a little upsetting. But we did learn that, number one, he cheated on her. Okay. Number two... After Danielle disappeared, the police went and told Danielle's family that Joe had his wife's voicemail password. He was accessing her voicemail. Now, Joe Imbo also took a lie detector test, and they won't tell us what the results are. 
But all that my cousin Vito said on record was, I don't have evidence to arrest Joe. I also have not ruled him out. He said that on record. All right, something else. This is really, really interesting. Does anyone know what the NamUs 44 is? Okay. So the NamUs 44 is the 44 missing people that were found on Israel Keyes' computer after he was arrested. Now, just, you know, to throw this out there, a lot of those 44 missing people were not ruled out as his victims. It's kind of a mix of his victims and then also missing people that came up while he was searching information on his actual victims And some of them included some of the names of people that he actually did admit to murdering. But Danielle and Richard are on the NamUs 44. So as of now, there is absolutely no definitive link. And it is a hard stretch that he could have been involved. And I feel like a lot of times when, you know, somebody is missing, they're like, maybe it was Israel Keys, you know. But that is interesting. That is terrifying. That is really terrifying. And true crime bullshit does, you know, all that deep diving on Israel Keys. And and they do a deep dive on the NamUs 44. It is really fascinating. Could it be a circumstance? Absolutely. Could Israel Keys have been in Philly that time? Could there be mafia involved? Oh, this poor family. We send them so much love. And, you know, I did a little bit of research to see if they've made amends and I didn't see anything. But, you know, putting aside your your ego and hurt, you know, for the greater good would be what's most beneficial to hopefully solving this case. But, you know, I understand. I also understand, you know, when you mess with family, you know, say something funny. I mean, do you think if I had brought you in a Coke Icy, you'd have been much nicer to me through this episode? (laughs) No! (laughs) Oh, where are they? This poor family. I really, it's, it's, it's very heartbreaking. I, my heart goes out to both of those families. Yeah. I hope you find peace. Yeah. And just, it's, it's so hard not to put your, you know, displace your anger. I mean, I do it all the time. You should see my road rage. Anyway, <laughs> please join us on the Patreon. That is where Joey and I do all of our bonus content. We love making content for you. We also have some surprise announcements coming up. We hope to see you at our live shows. I promise you that we will have so much fun at our live show. We have so many secrets. This is our passion. Being live in front of an audience is really where Joey and I feel most at home. What are you most excited about our live shows? I mean, just that. I love, like, you and I already have great chemistry because we're besties. And also, when we get on stage together, we are dummies. Yeah, yeah. And I cannot wait for our listeners to get to see it up close and personal. Yeah, we have a lot in store for you. Also, if you're going to travel alone, I promise you, no dumb bitches ever left behind. Do not be scared to come alone because you will come alone and you will leave with best friends. I see it time and time again. There is nothing more that I love more about this community of dumb bitches than their love for each other. So if you are hesitant for that, please come and meet your down bitch best friend. We're going to have a lot of fun and we will take care of you. That I promise. Also, we can't wait for Obsessed Fest. We're going to be in Columbus, Ohio. Listen, I have dreamed of going to Columbus, Ohio. It goes Portugal, Australia, Columbus, Ohio. So my dreams are coming true the end of September. Does Lion come natural in your family? (laughs) 
<laughs> there are a couple tickets left, so please head on over and get your tickets to Obsess Fest. And uh, what else do you want to say to them, Joey? That's it. I cannot wait to see you. It's going. I'm so excited. My head might blow off my shoulders, and you'll get to see it live. Oh, then I get to do a solo show. That might be fun. We love you. We love you so much. I love you, Yellow Marie Marsh. Love you, Joey. <laughs> Bye. What's Obsessed with Disappear? The podcast where Ellen Marie Marsh and I recap Discovery Channel's are Don't. you okay? <laughs> very, just tell them what we do. You just so recap <laughs> disappeared. Oh my God, men out here trying to make everything so complicated Don't all the time. Don't you love me in with them? It's very easy, but well, that's okay. I don't do a lot of things very well. Um, <laughs> including podcasting, <laughs> including speaking. What were the next couple words? Doing a little East Coast swing. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, you well, call yourself a '90s baby. Yeah, don't say too much more because Italians know people. They know, they know guys. They know guys. Italians always know guys. Just don't say anymore. What about her? She's got that exchange. Mm-hmm. And now we're done. I'm going to the doctor because something is wrong with me. <sighs> <laughs> Disappeared. Um, <laughs> <laughs>